After the New York Knicks beat the Boston Celtics in their very first preseason game, we went live on Twitter Spaces with our very special guest, Nick legend, Charlie Ward. He broke down the game, gave us game analysis. He also told us about Julius Randle and what he doesn't like about his game. He also told us how Jalen Brunson can be a better defender. He answered fan questions, but more than that, he gave us the perspective of how it's like to be coached under Tom Thibodeau. Because if you remember, back when he played, Tom Thibodeau was part of the coaching staff. And he remembers how it feels to play under Tom Thibodeau. We're going to look into this and everything he had to say after the game. This is going to be a very, very good post-game special. I hope you guys enjoy it. Roll it. Now, we have our guest here. Mr. Charlie Ward himself, the Heisman. Put your hands together. Show some love for our Knicks alumni, the legend himself. Mr. Charlie Ward, how was your summer? How are you? How was your night? What do you think of this Knicks team, this new Knicks team? What do you think of what we was doing last year? How are you, my friend? How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Um, I appreciate you having me on. And, um, yeah, I got a chance to watch a little bit of the start of the second quarter. I coach high school basketball here in uh, Tallahassee, um, Florida State University School. And uh, we were having a little fall league practice. So I got a chance to catch them uh, later. Uh, but, you know, preseason is a great opportunity for, you know, guys to get some some run, uh, get in a little game shape, put some time in. From a coaching perspective, you know, you get a chance to look at guys in different situations. Um, as the caller before, you know, it's hard to put stock into the uh, preseason but it is good evaluation time uh, for guys in different roles. Um, and, you know, tonight you saw the two, two big lineup um, and, and some of the things that they're capable of doing from a defensive standpoint. And then offensively, you know, what they look to do when they're in the game. You know, all those things are things that you can look at on the video and, uh, you know, kind of put a plan together uh, if you – should happen to have that lineup and of course quickly is quickly when he's starting um and there's no Jalen Brunson and so he goes off for you know 20 plus points once again and he's like that that's what you need from him uh he'll probably get, not probably he will get more time this year uh, on the floor uh, which is you know a good thing for us uh when you start thinking about his production uh, moving forward, uh, it just has to be consistent like anyone else. Um, you know, I like Fournier uh, shooting. Uh, DiVincenzo, you know, I think he eventually will be uh, a good shooter. Uh, I think at some point we're going to need to have shooting on the floor, just like any team. Uh, but I'm just not a big fan in the one-on-one uh, type of play uh, so hopefully we can find a way to uh, minimize that 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 play uh, because it plays a big part in you know stagnant being stagnant 
on the offensive end. Um, so hopefully we can get to a point where we can have more ball screens, more uh, slip screens, um, and, and movement while someone may be going one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, so hopefully we can make that adjustment uh, this year uh, to be better in that, that, that regard. We, ha we have very good one-on-one -on -one players, uh, but I think, you know, it's just a matter of just trying to find uh, the right times to do it and make plays for others, which is important for you to be successful. Defensively, I thought, you know, they had great energy. Um, everyone was working together. Amazing. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that Tibbs brings to the table. Um, that's like a non-negotiable and they'll be prepared and ready to play each and every night. So I look forward to seeing, you know, how they will tend to compete on the defensive end. But overall, I thought it was a good first first preseason game. I uh, got a chance to see a lot of guys, different guys in different situations, uh, those that got an opportunity to play. And, you know, as the preseason progress, you'll see – more of certain guys because I know they're trying to evaluate certain uh, roster spots and all those types of things. And so just be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Absolutely, Charlie. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that uh, that breakdown, actually. It's it's so uh, rare that we hear from, like, uh, from a player who's been there, who's done it, and what you actually want to see. Because I think, actually, if you talk to most of the fan base, you talk to them quite a bit. They'd actually agree with you. They want to see a little bit more ball move. They want to see more people involved. They want to kind of see the ball not stick with one particular player. That's why when we kind of see, you know, some of the same offense kind of with Tom Thibodeau at times where, you know, players like Quentin Grimes, for instance, who's a really good cutter at times, but with the starting unit, he normally gets put in the corner and is really relegated to just three and D. Can I ask your opinion just on uh, Quentin Grimes and how you think uh, he's being used in the starting lineup? You think he's being used effectively, or could he be used a little bit better, in your opinion? Well, one of the things that we always have to evaluate is how, how does one fit? Because, you know, every starter has to fit uh, according to who's on the floor. Um, and Quentin Grimes can be that guy who can stretch the floor uh, with the shot and he plays great energy on the defensive end, and he drives the ball well, and he cuts well. Uh, so I think he has to find his way to uh, to be able to be productive in what they're doing. A lot of times the coach gets the blame for, you know, stacked men stagnant and those types of things, but a lot uh, should go back to players understanding uh, because, you know, just talking to and being a part, being a coach, uh, now, you know, you want to put the onus on the players to be able to talk through what they want to do. And so I just think it's, it's one of the things that we, we would like to see. I know I would like to see, I'm sure a lot of other people would like to see uh, guys uh, elevate uh, in that area of being able to talk out whatever the actions they may have because you saw a little bit of that tonight um, when Randall was backing down and he didn't have an advantage. Uh, he went into uh, a back down and then he went and uh, had, did like a, um, a dribble handoff uh, with someone to be able to create more, create more action um, and confusion with the defense. And so um, I know from an offensive standpoint, uh, everyone 
you know, probably doesn't like uh, what they are doing, uh, but they do enough um, to be able to get whatever it is that they're looking for. And then they have different options off of that. And I think Quinn Grimes, uh, you know, of course, everyone can be used better and more effective uh, in some form or fashion. But when it's all said and done, uh, everyone has to play a role. I know that's big for Tibbs. Uh, and, you know, when Quinn Grimes is in the starting lineup, he has to play a certain role. And then when he's not in the starting lineup or he's on the floor with other guys, then he may be able to do some things that we get a chance to see in the summer league uh, because he's on the floor with different guys. And so, you know, rotation plays a big part. Who's on the floor uh, with certain guys? And that's kind of how you dictate. From a coaching standpoint, that's kind of how you set your lineups. Um, and you want to have certain guys on the floor that can do different things. Uh, but, you know, at, at some point it comes down to the players uh, buying into – you know, wanting to move the ball and move bodies and and make it happen. You know, as Knicks fans, we've been through a lot, a lot of losses. Um, you know, it's been hard times. Many times we have the joke of the NBA. But now you see the Knicks have made the playoffs two out of the last three years. My question to you is how do you feel about this front office? You have a part of the fan base that wants to see us get that star. You have part of the fan base that, wants to stay where we're at right now and just build the team up. And you have uh, some fans that uh, that just don't really care too much. So uh, are you satisfied with this front office? Because it just seems like they're not doing enough, enough to compete with the Bucks, the Celtics, the Miami Heat, maybe even Philly. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, um, you know, everyone in this day and age, they love instability. Um, instant gratification. Um, that was yeah. what the New York Knicks used to be uh, when we had like five GMs in like seven years. I mean, everyone was was complaining about, you know, the team at that point. We weren't winning. Um, and now that we have an opportunity to win and we have stability in the front office, even though, of course, everyone's not going to agree with decisions that's being made, um, you know, who's been brought in, and, you know, we're looking around at who's who the other teams have, which you know, the other teams are making decisions and, and moving and shaking and what have you. Uh, and they're building their roster to what they feel is, you know, competitive roster uh, in the East or West, wherever it may be. But I just think, you know, when you when you have uh, stability in front office and everyone <clears throat> everyone's working together and on the same page in some form or fashion, uh, you can get more out of what you're doing. Uh, but, of course, instability breeds instability. And when we start continue, when we start to change, you know, front office, once again, um, you, you go back to that instability uh, in leadership. And so once you change the front office and then you change the then you change the um, the coach, and now you got a whole new voice. Uh, you got to change the roster, and sometimes that takes time. Um, and so, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, seeing what they what they're doing and what they want to do and how they're building their roster. Uh, it comes down to you know guys playing their roles and being competitive. Um, I don't know if this is a championship team, but 
you know, a lot of other teams, they feel like they have a championship team because they made moves. And I feel like sometimes that's what people feel like the Knicks should be doing consistently, making moves. Uh, but, you know, they've it, – it goes to show you sometimes, you know, learn, knowing the system uh, does help. Um, and then you bring in a couple of people here and there. Uh, but, you know, as a as a organization, uh, you have to do what you feel is best for your group. And sometimes it may not be, you know, the best at that time. And sometimes it may be. We just have to continue to uh, work it out uh, and live it out in a sense. I'll just say, you know, a lot of people, you know, when I was in New York they, every year, um, they wanted someone that, that had a bigger name. Um, you know, every year I was being traded. And so, you know, those were, you know, that's just what it was. And, and But, you know, I had to go and put my head down and do the best that I could do. And, you know, we, we, we were able to win, you know, being in the playoffs, um, ended up going to the finals. And so I just think sometimes you just have to find the right fit uh, for your group and not look at the outside to determine if you're being successful or not or have a chance to win. Fact. Wow. I'd like to see um, this team um, continue to build like it's doing, but we need to make a key uh, addition. At what position do you think would be the best place for this team to add for somebody that could, you know, help elevate this team to another level? I'm I'm not 100% sure, uh, but what I do know is we need R.J. Barrett uh, and Julius Randle. Uh, those two guys, we got to have them being consistent uh, on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, I think we <clears throat> a lot of times we try to look at people who may come in from the outside, uh, but since we do have those guys and they're going to be playing, I think they have to elevate their games uh, on both ends. Uh, and be consistent uh, each and every night uh, because there are other guys, you know, that that are role players that's playing a certain role. Uh, I think they're capable of doing what they're what they're what they're currently asked to do. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is another guy from an offensive standpoint. You know, being able to finish around a basket, um, you know, even make some mid-range uh, jumpers around the basket. I'm not asking him to do much of anything, but be a force uh, when he rolls. Uh, that will definitely open up some of those driving lanes for uh, the guards that are, you know, driving the basketball and on pick and rolls. Um, of course, he needs to be a, get better shooting free throws um, to be able to help out. But I don't. I'm not sure to your question. I'm not 100% sure who on the outside would be, you know, a good fit. Uh, for this group because that means you're going to have to replace a couple of other guys or replace someone with that person well, that you're looking to bring bring um, bring in. I have a question for you about Jalen Brunson. Um, my, I have a huge issue with Brunson as far as him shooting a lot and him not playmaking. Uh, should I be less focused on him playmaking? Uh, is that Tibbs asking him not to play make and Tibbs asking him to be more aggressive and shoot the ball more? Or is that 
just his mindset being a point guard. Like, I got to take these shots because I don't trust these other guys to get the job done. Like, what is in the mindset you think of Jalen Brunson as far as being the point guard? Well, one of the things that you have to understand is there are certain guys, uh, well, every point guard has has a certain role. Um, and his role is uh, he's very ball dominant and he's very good at making decisions. And so a lot of times you don't mind him having a basketball because you know that he's going to make the right decision. But, I mean, Jalen's been Jalen that we know of since we've known him, right? I mean, since college, he's kind of been the same player. Uh, when he went to, you know, Dallas, he was a very similar player. And now that he's in New York, uh, he's a similar player. And, you know, he's point. very productive in, at doing what he does. Um, he does shoot, uh, but he also gets others involved as well. I agree. Uh, but he, he's, that's who he is. Um, and you just have to uh, uh, either appreciate it um, because he does make the right decisions for the most part. Um, it's hard to take the ball out of his hand um, when he's on the floor when he makes good decisions, whether it's his own shot or getting others involved. Um, and so that is who he is. You're either going to hate him or love him. Uh, but one of the things you can admire about him is his savvy. He's very savvy. He understands the game. Uh, he knows how to play the game. Um, and he he does get others involved, even though he's ball dominant. I mean, unlike some some guards that we, we've come to know, um, I'm not calling names, but uh, he's currently in Dallas at this point. Um, you know that is that's different. Uh, that's that's a different type of ball dominant. Um, so okay. that's what that's what I mean by you, you either you're gonna love him, but the one thing I do admire about him is he does get others involved, um, even though he's ball dominant. So, uh, last question. When it comes to me with um, point guards, specifically, I always attribute uh, the point guard's greatness to how many players next to him he makes either all-stars or millionaires, right? So, who is the young player you think this season that will pop or become something that we want that person to be? because of Jalen Brunson? That is a very good question. Um, because, I mean, when you start thinking about who they have on the roster, I mean, who do you think could be that guy? I mean, you got R.J. Barrett, who was – I mean, they've kind of been in some form of an all-star. I mean, they've been to, you know, the, the, the games that – first and second year players played in um, Julius Randle was an all-star I think last year um, but that's a very good question on who um, who he can get to that next level Emmanuel quickly is the same way I mean they're they're very similar players in a lot of ways um, so you can't play them. I mean, you, you can, but it's hard to play them together. 
um, in a lot of ways. Um, I, my fault, OG. I got. I, do you think quickly and Brunson? You, would you start them together? So I'm just curious, who would you take out of the lineup? I would take Grimes. Um, who? I, I think quickly, quickly's aggressiveness and the way he could play on ball is further along than Grimes. So I, I, I think agree. quickly would be the better option. Um, this is just me. Okay, so I'll, I'll I'll share this with you. I, this is just my my take, and um, you know I've been around a lot of coaches. I've played for some great coaches, and now that I coach, um, I do very similar things. Uh, one of the things that you want to do is you want to have balance um, uh, in in all your groups uh, for the most part. And so if you take uh, Grimes out of the starting lineup um, and then you have quickly playing, even though he's probably going to end up playing more minutes, which I'm sure he's capable of doing. Um, now your bench, you know, you, you may not have the scoring that you need coming off your bench consistently, um, but you can bring quickly off of the bench for Brunson uh, at the point guard spot. Um, and, and then you have more, you have a better bench production uh, point guard behind him. Um, and what have you. So sometimes it's not about uh, it's about fit um, and what you want to what you really want to do uh, with your different with your lineups. Um, and yes, those I mean, I'm sure if you you may be able to see that uh, in some of the preseason. If I was me, I would see if that was something we could explore in the preseason. That's what the preseason's for to see how it works. Uh, because if it does work, then that's something that you potentially potentially could do um, at some point um, if that's what you choose to do. But uh, that's a good observation and, you know, good thought process uh, as well. I'm a huge OB Toppin fan, and I felt like it was an egregious mistake the way that we used them, and I felt like we should have never traded them. I, I just got to know, right? <laughs> so... I always felt like they should have played Randall and Obi together to see how it looked consistently. Obviously, we didn't do that. Would you, the year that we drafted Obi Toppin, would you have just kept them together and just find found a way to uh, have them coexist together, or you would have traded Randall and just took your chances with Obi and just go with uh, go with him rather than uh, the way that we handled it this past season? Well, um, Julius Randle, I do believe, you know, has a place. Uh, I'm just not a big fan. I know he scores, he scores the ball really, really well. I'm just not a big fan of the ISO uh, type of game, uh, which is hard for me to watch. I mean, it's hard for me to coach it. It's hard for me to watch it. Um, I just like movement uh, from move, move the ball, move bodies. Uh, and then make quick, quick decisions. And so uh, I just think, you know, you're starting to see a lot of that in, in, in most offenses where when the Knicks are playing at their best, um, and let's just, you know, you can go back a, a, a year or two. When they were playing at their best is when uh, they were playing with uh, movement, 
you know, the ball was moving, players were moving, uh, and they were getting, you know, the shots that they wanted, getting the matchups that they wanted um, at some point off the movement. Uh, but I was just a big Obatapa fan just because of the way he played the game. And so he, he to me, he would have had a, a place um, on in the rotation consistently um, to where we could use his skills. Uh, you know, he shot it well. I thought he got to a point where he was just shooting the three too, too much because he wasn't getting opportunities on the floor, um, I do believe. And he became like a three-point shooter as opposed to what he what we'll probably see him be more of now that he's in Indiana. So, I, I mean, you could have played both of them. You know, one at you know, small ball five, uh, like a Draymond Green type of uh, setup. Even though Randall's not like that, uh, that type of player. Uh, but um, you know, if you want to go with a smaller lineup. And yes, that would that would have worked, um, and found a way to make it work uh, in times. You can't major in it, uh, but you can find situations where you can minor in it and uh, see what you can get out of it uh, for a short period of time. And if it does work, you can always go back to it or stay with it. Um, you see it all the time in, in in the NBA or college or wherever it may be, uh, where you're trying to find the best matchups uh, possible. Wow. I love that tweet. What an amazing answer, Charlie. I mean, uh, first of all, the Julius Randle take, I think a lot of uh, Knicks Twitter would absolutely agree with that. Uh, the isolation play uh, that you've mentioned, I think uh, many, many of us up here have uh, lauded him uh, the same way, just regarding to see more uh, ball movement in the lineup, because we all kind of seen, you know, without throughout the league, ball movement kind of helps in regards to everybody touching, everybody being focused, locked in. It just helps everybody together. So I absolutely agree with you 100%. I think that's very, very important. Um, let's go over to Rels. I think Rels um, hasn't asked the question yet. Rels, are you up here, brother? You there? Yeah, I'm here. Did everybody else get a chance to go first? Uh, I think we only got Cassius left. Well, you want Cassius to go first before you go? Yeah, he was up here before I was. Got you. Cassius, man. What's going on, brother? You want to ask your question to the great Charlie Ward? I just want to tell uh, Mr. Charlie Wood how much I appreciate him and his play um, during the course of the seasons that I got to watch him, you know, taking us to the finals and things of that nature, man. Um, you were one of, you, you were one of the good guys, man, and, and I appreciate everything that you did. I don't have a question for you, man. You answered all my questions through the panel already. But I just want to say how much I appreciate you and what you brought to the table to this team, man. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I was grateful to be able to have an opportunity to play in the NBA. And... I wanted to uh, make the most of it. And as I mentioned, you know, about role playing, I had to find my role and I played to the best of my ability. Um, so I was grateful to be able to play with some great, great players that uh, kept me around. Uh, and I was grateful to be able to be in New York, you know, where uh, I got a chance to, you know, be in the city and kind of enjoy my I stay, you know, for nine and a half seasons, which is crazy. 
we thank you for all of it. I think anybody who is grateful enough to watch um, still remembers uh, all the great you did for us at that point in time. We were still kind of, even before you got there, we were still kind of, I think we always kind of were looking for uh, a guard. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, obviously when we got you as well, I feel like, you know, another answer to that question, Jalen Brunson, another answer to that question. I feel like uh, it's great to be able to talk to you and pick your brain about some of this stuff because um, we don't get the opportunity, like I said, at all to speak with players like you uh, of your greatness. So again, really a lot, uh, Charlie. Thank you so much for doing this for us. We just got one more guy up here. Uh, I think actually two more people actually up here. Right, do you have uh, enough time for a couple more questions, Charlie? Sure. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Let's go over to Rels. Rels, what's going on, man? Uh, what's your question for Charlie today? Uh, what's going on to the panel and everybody in the room? Charlie, thank you for being with us today. Um, I as well, it's kind of like two questions. The first question is, you guys went to the finals. It was some type of chemistry, some type of fire. Do you see that maybe maybe with this roster or maybe in the future roster? So my question to you is, what do you think management or coaching need to do better to kind of get these guys in line, if not to the to the finals, but deep deeper in the, into the playoffs? Yeah, uh, we were blessed to be able to have, you know, a lot of talent. But the year that we went to the finals, uh, you know, we were the AC and so we kind of caught fire, very similar to how Miami was last year. Uh, we had talent, and it was a shortened season, lockout shortened season. And we had some new players that came in uh, that we had to get under Coach Van Gundy's system. Uh, it took them a little time to, to understand it and run it. Uh, but once we got that continuity, uh, we were able to make, uh, make a run uh, to the finals. Uh, and continuity... Uh, is is very very important chemistry is very very important uh, when you're talking about you know a team uh, getting to the next level uh, or taking their game to the next level and part of that is just understanding uh, your roles uh, the guys who are the facilitators those are the ones who make the majority of decisions they have the basketball in their hands from an offensive standpoint you're expecting them to make good decisions the majority of the time and so that's why, you know, having a guy like Jalen Brunson, you know, is is very important. Uh, quickly is another guy that's very, very important um, to what we're doing. I'll just say it. I just need to see Julius Randle. If he's going to be a main guy that's going to have the basketball in his hands, he has to find a way to make other guys better. Um, you see Giannis. And some of those other guys who are very similar styles in some form of fashion that has the ball in their hands and they make other guys better. I just I just think at some point, if we're going to go to the next level, uh, we know about the guards and what they do. Uh, Julius Randle is going to have to uh, be able to to make other guys better around him uh, when he's, you know, facilitating. Uh, or being a facilitator. And I thought at one point last year, he, he was doing a very good job of that. Um, and it just has to be consistent over the course of his time. Another guy is RJ Barrett uh, as well, trying to find his role. Um, you know, he wants to be, or I'm not sure what they're asking him to be, but, you know, he wants to be a, a scorer, uh, wants to have the ball in his hands, um, but I like, I like it when he's looking to slash, um, and 
you know, be a better three-point shooter. I think he, if he can improve in that area, uh, I think he, uh, I know he'll help elevate the team as well. Uh, it's just something about some of the guys when they play, you know, on their national teams. Uh, this summer, when he played on a national team, he was a different type player. Um, but I think he, if he can continue to elevate his game, uh, it can, you know, help the Knicks get to the next level. I'm not sure if they're a championship type team with the other teams that are out there, uh, but you never know what chemistry can, I mean, chemistry can do a lot. Uh, when you're playing with great chemistry, guys are working together offensively and defensively. A lot of times we talk about the offensive end, but, you know, if they're working together defensively, uh, you know, Mitchell, Sim, Sims, you know, guys are protecting the, the rim. Guys are staying in front of each, uh, one another or helping each other. Like I saw tonight, we had a lot of great uh, X-outs, I call them, on the weak side when the ball got stopped at the basket and uh, weak side guys were, you know, helping each other. Uh, that is what you need if you're going to be a championship team. Uh, you got to be able to help each other on defensive end to get stops. So they have what it what it's going to take to uh, to – in my opinion, make the playoffs. I'm not sure if we're championship type team at this point, but you never know what chemistry can do uh, later on when you start to learn one another, what they like to do, spaces on the floor. Uh, but it also helps to have the same guys, you know, on the roster uh, because you kind of understand and know what they like to do because you've been playing with them for you know two two or three years what advice would you uh have for jalen brunson to be better of a defender at his size because uh, uh besides him taking charges which really puts his health in peril a lot how could he be better and make more of a statement on defense at his size well as i mentioned certain players are certain players i mean you know you think about, you know, Steph Curry for a long time. His M.O. on the defensive end was he was a liability. And uh, he continued to work on that. And, you know, now he's, you know, a guy that prides himself on getting stops. And I think Jalen, you know, a lot of times I, th I think he's defensively, he does the things that win games. Um, I wasn't the best one-on-one -on -one defender, uh, but I was a very good team defender. Uh, so, you know, I was always, like Jalen, very similar, uh, in the right spots, ready to take charges, put your body on the line, uh, whether it's dive on the floor for loose balls, um, be, be ready to help uh, when, when guys are in, in danger uh, from an offensive standpoint, uh, a defensive standpoint. And I think he's very similar. But in this day and age, uh, they search out the weak links in a lot of ways. And you just have to stand up to the challenge. And I think he's willing to do that. It's just a matter of time. Uh, or this year, he has to prove to himself and to others, like your question, you're probably questioning him in his one-on-one -on -one defense. Uh, but I just think it's a pride deal. Uh, but more importantly, it's uh, something that your teammates have to know. Um, if, you're, if you have a guy that they may be going at um, consistently, then you have to be willing to help a little bit more 
and then, you know, scramble from there. But I think at some point, you know, from an individual standpoint, which he does have pride that he's going to, you know, bow his neck, as I call it, and uh, step up and make the, take on the challenges that come come before him. But in this day and age, man, you know, they got guys that they ISO, do a lot of isolation, and they're very good at it. And so you're going to give up some points. Uh, even the best best defenders give up points. Um but I think he's he's not a defensive liability uh, in in the sense of where, you know, yes, people attack him, but he he does work to try to do the right thing defensively. Thank you. Good 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 answer. Thank you. And good question too, Brutus. That was a really good question. I like all the speakers today, man. We got really good questions going on for Charlie today. I think you gave some great uh, highlights, Charlie. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to clip that Julius Randle thing about a thousand times and try to put it on loop uh, because I think uh, it's something that everybody uh, absolutely needs to hear. I think isolation play should be a little bit more gone for the New York Knicks. And we should really push that team play. We need more assists. I think we were the one of the bottom teams in the league in terms of moving the ball last year. We have to fix that if I think we want to compete with one of the uh, top tier teams. And, and just speaking about the uh, you know the teams in the East, we I haven't really got a chance to ask you about that. Obviously, with the power shift in the East now, with Milwaukee and uh, Boston being so strong, and the sh- and all the power shifting over there. Where do you see the New York Knicks, given the roster that they have, the upgrades that they made, and you know just the current status of the East? Where do you see the New York Knicks kind of ending up or fitting? I know it's kind of hard to say right now, but just if you could give a prediction, where do you think uh, you see the New York Knicks ending up when it's all said and done this season? Well, they, um, uh, I mean, you know, the, those top two teams or teams that you just mentioned definitely are in the mix because of who they have on their roster. Um, but I do believe the Knicks are in that next tier um, where, you know, they could be, you know, a fourth seed, a uh, fifth seed, uh, somewhere in that, 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 that uh, area. Um, or they could be, you know, six or seven uh, seed, uh, depending upon, you know, who gets hot and how they play during the year. Uh, the depth component comes into play as well uh, throughout the year. It, and no one really, I mean, no one's talked about it, but the in-season you know, tournament, um, someone I was with, uh, actually with Scott Perry this uh, weekend, uh, USA Basketball, and we were talking about the in-season tournament and how that could play a big part, not for probably the, the top-tier teams, but gaining some momentum for uh, a team that, you know, well, not not that they would take pride in winning it, but it can help catapult the mindset of what it takes to win and be a champion. And so a lot of times, you know, people don't want to, they want to poo-poo on the in-season tournament in a sense, but it could definitely help build the momentum of, of a mindset of what it's going to take to to win uh, consistently. And so if I was a coach, that would be something I would be, sharing not so much to win the in-season tournament but the mindset of what it takes to um, put yourself in that that realm of uh, being a champion um, and so uh, I, I see them you know being in the middle middle of the pack 
uh, on that second second tier of teams that will have a chance to uh, vie for, you know, like that third, fourth, fifth, you know, spot, which is kind of where they were last year. Absolutely, absolutely. I actually agree with that. I have them around four or five as well, too. Um, I think the third spot is open depending on what happens and whoever gets off to a hot start, I think can absolutely take that. But, uh, you know, I absolutely agree. I'll take one more. Cool. I'll take one last one. One last one. Let's go to, please don't hate me, anyone. Um, Let's go to AG. How you doing, Charlie? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Yeah, man. Um, I just want to say, man, I still got beef with PJ Brown for what he did to you. Man, that hurt my heart as a kid. So, um, I just want to man, you was a warrior back in them times. But, um, I want to ask the Tibbs question because, um, you know, I remember Tibbs was an assistant coach with the Knicks back in 96. That's right. Um, so I'm not sure how much experience you had with him, um, on the coaching staff, but, um, what what are your thoughts on Tibbs as a coach for today's? player you know from your perspective as a you know a one-time NBA player played at a high level played in the finals um and you have that you have that close connection with Tibbs unlike some of um some other players that we may have spoken to in the past what what is do you think he's a coach that could take the Knicks to that level uh well yes I mean he was with us um in New York and then I played and coached with him in Houston and he's old school, like as am I. Uh, but one of the things he's learned is how to adapt to uh, the new age um, athlete, uh, pro athlete, and and still le- working to learn to communicate with them and hold them accountable while giving them the uh, the opportunity to to lead. Um, he's very uh, prepared um, and a lot of very prepared. That's just, I mean, you want a coach to be that way. Uh, he's meticulous in his his, uh, his game planning. Uh, he's big on rotations, as we all know, which is a good thing. I mean, every, every team who's successful, you know, has a rotation and everyone in the rotation has a role that they're asked to play um, because that's what uh, they feel is needed to to be able to help the symphony uh, play and and um, help the symphony play well together. And I think he's, you know, he, he has what it takes to get them there. It's gonna take the players taking ownership of what he's given them um, and having input, which I know he has great respect for Jalen um, because he, he knows him and, you know, he's given him some ownership. Like Jalen can have input uh, into kind of what's going on. And I think that's something uh, he's definitely grown in, um, in that area, which in this day and age, you have to, and you want your players to be that, because they need to take ownership of what's going on uh, on the floor, uh, whether it's offensively or defensively or even in situations. But um, a lot of people give Tibbs, you know, 
uh, what is it, a hard time. Uh, but I think he prepares the guys properly. Um, and the offense is, is what it is, uh, but the players make the offense go, um, in my opinion. And that's, you know, you give them certain concepts and different things to do, and you kind of go from there. Uh, I think if you, everyone likes people who make shots, we need guys that, that, that make shots. You know, we need shot makers and playmakers, uh, not shooters and players. We, we have a lot of those. We need guys that can make key uh, shots at the right time and make plays at the right time. Uh, and then defensively, you know, we are who we are. But I just think Tibbs get, of course, just like any, any other organization, you know, the person in charge normally gets the blame for everything. Um, but I just know he's he's preparing uh, himself, his staff. Uh, he has a system, just like everyone else has a system. Um, and he's given them opportunities to be successful uh, within what they're with, what they're trying to do. But like I said, it's going to come down to you know how do the, how do the guys play within the system. Uh, but I'm just, I mean, I'm just not a big ISO team um, and guys standing around watching, you know, one guy pound the basketball, um, you know, consistently. That's just me. Yeah, definitely, definitely appreciate that. And I, I appreciate what you said about him needing to, him allowing uh, the players to empower themselves and, you know, perform. So I think that's very key. So appreciate your answer, Charlie. And uh, thanks again for joining us for sure. My pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. It's your man, Stan Nixon. Nick's recap is smooth. Charlie Ward is our guest. Shout out to you, Mr. Charlie Ward. Appreciate your time. It was an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to the next time having you again. This is our second time seeing you. Um, hopefully we can see you uh, in season as well. That would be a pleasure as well. But thank you again for your time. Have a great evening. All right. Appreciate it. Y'all guys. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate Everyone have it. a great evening. Thank you, guys. Come on, guys. Clap emojis in the chat for Charlie. Everybody, thank you so much for your time, Charlie. Again, um, Charlie doesn't have to do this for us. Gee, oh, that's a lot of claps, Dan. Wow, that's a lot of claps. Um, uh, Charlie didn't have to do this for us, but uh, the fact that he did uh, is very, very important because, again, to get a little bit of the knowledge, a little bit of the information that's in his head, I think it's, uh, it's a worthwhile for all of us just to get an understanding of that. So shout out to him. Charlie Ward gives some of the best interviews that I've ever had. I've interviewed a couple of players in my time. I've interviewed Charlie twice now. And each and every time, he's been real. He's been authentic. He's been able to answer questions from the fans, regardless of if they're filtered or not. And he has no qualms about giving his truth and unfiltered opinion on what he feels about the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, and obviously, as you've heard, Julius Randle. Some of the biggest takeaways from what he said was about team basketball, and that's what I want to highlight. He spoke about Julius Randle and his isolation play, and he said, even as a coach himself, he doesn't like it, he doesn't like to see it, and he doesn't coach that way. He likes to coach in an offense that is free-flowing, that passes the ball. 
The New York Knicks were one of the worst teams in terms of passing the ball last season. If they can get better at that this season, they can definitely take their stake and maybe creep up to take that third seed in the East. Because again, like I said, it's absolutely open. And even Charlie Ward said he can see the Knicks getting that seed or maybe the fourth or even fifth seed, depending on how they start, what they do, what their players do, and how big of a leap they take. And I think there's a lot of factors into it, but I agree with Charlie Ward. The Knicks are definitely in the running to take that third spot if things go right for them. But you got to respect the legend in Charlie Ward, what he said, all of the great information that he gave us. But the Julius Randle stuff with the isolation play, wanting to pass more, wanting the team to play more passing mentality basketball where everybody's touching the ball. Everybody's getting the ball and you know how it feels if you play basketball. If you're touching the ball, you're more focused and you're more engaged. And as a coach, you know Charlie Ward knows that. And absolutely, you have to take it and you have to agree with him here because there's no ways around it. If the team plays like that more often, I think the Knicks will be an absolutely dangerous team. If they step away from the ISO ball, they can be an unlocked, better team than they were last year. If they keep going ISO level, they might get where they were last year, but given how strong the East is, they might not even be able to get back to there. So they got to be careful and watch how they play headed into the season. But if the preseason is any indication, I am very, very excited for what to see headed into the season. Jalen Brunson looks like he's ready to play basketball tomorrow. He looks absolutely ready. Julius Randle has a pass first mentality, it seems like. And it seems like he's comfortable playing that third role for this New York Knicks team and giving the reins to Jalen Brunson and to RJ Barrett. And again, I understand it's only one preseason game, but we're going to monitor it. We're going to look for it. And if we continue to see it, in my opinion, it'll be a welcome change for Julius Randle. If you check the videos and you looked at what I said about Randle, I said for the New York Knicks to be unlocked and take that next step, he needs to embrace a pass-first mentality. And if he does that, the New York Knicks can take that next step. I saw a little bit of that during this first preseason game. And if I continue to see that, I'm going to be very, very happy. But let me know what you guys thought. What did you think about Charlie Ward's comments on the space that we had? Did you agree with them? Did you disagree? And if you did disagree, what exactly did you disagree about? Let me know in the comments because honestly, guys, I would love to hear from you. But that's going to do it for this episode. Go ahead and smash that like button if you like this video. Don't forget to leave a comment below. And of course, guys, please subscribe to the channel. Until next time, Nick fans. Peace.